How about that? It's already Thursday. It just seems like just yesterday we were going, hey, what's up with y'all on a Monday? Well, it's not Monday anymore. It's Thursday. Welcome into the Thursday show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau insurance across the state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes. That's right. Hometown heroes, local insurance agents. I'm Matt. JB is here. You are here. That's really what's important. Lots of ways for you to be a part of this show. As always, y'all can text me on the Country Please and text line, Country Please and Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. That number, the text line is 885-3776. It's a 601 number, 885-3776. An easier way to remember, 885-ESPN. Just type it in, 885-ESPN. You can watch the live stream on Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, or YouTube, so check it out that way. Search me on any of those. You can find it. Matt's watching on Facebook, and he says, nice hat. Yeah, the hat. I'm wearing the retro hat from the Mississippi State University golf course today. Y'all hit him up on Twitter at Hale State GC. Hope everybody's doing well. I'll give you the phone number in a sec, but let me hit the button so I can pour some coffee. 25 huh? seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to the Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going. Here we go. We're going. We are now doing a show. What's up, everybody? Y'all text me on the text line, 885-ESPN, or call me on the Divinity phone. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. They are hiring right now, by the way. I told you a little bit about it. I'll continue to fill you in. But uh, if you're looking for a job, there are several key positions, both in the shop and on the floor from a sales perspective, that they're looking to hire folks right now at Divini Equipment. Great folks, great company, great family. Two locations, Highway 51 Madison, Spring Ridge Road in Jackson. Here's a number to call me and us on the Divini Equipment phone. Hit me up, 995-1059. That's a 601 number, 995 Five nine. Hey to Danny on Facebook, watching in Ringgold, Georgia. Hail State to you. Back at you. And Gail says, Hail State from, uh, or says, Hey Matt from Laurel. What's up in Laurel? Right there in the smack dab middle of Jones County. It's a great place. I like Jones County. It's a great place. Gator Nation checking in first and foremost, like right off the bat. He's the first one today on the country pleasing text line at 885-ESPN. He says, Matt, make sure you fact check your info. Brooks just read some fake news poll. He probably got off CNN and had Georgia four and us eight, meaning the Florida Gators. Everybody knows we're winning the SEC, TB12 GOAT. Hey, you can say what you want. You can spin it any way you want, Gator Nation. But what Brooks had was the 2020 USA Today, Amway, whatever it is, preseason coaches poll. (laughs) Now, I want you to think about that for a second. It is a coach's poll. It's a poll. Everybody in the world talking about it today, it seems like, because they're just itching for some college football to discuss. Preseason poll, best thing we've gotten in months. 
it's still a preseason poll. It means absolutely jack squat. Or it should. We shouldn't even have a preseason poll. They shouldn't even I agree with what David Cutcliffe, the coach at Duke, believes, and that is you shouldn't even have any kind of poll until you're about three weeks into the season, normally. But anyway, we get it every year, preseason poll. They call it the coaches poll. Coaches are tied to it. The coaches aren't filling it out a lot of times. Most times you've got SIDs around the country. That's the sports information guys who work closely with the coaches who actually fill it out and kind of arrange it and then run it by the coach. And the coach goes, yeah, that's fine. Or they'll do it. Won't you do this one this way and that one that way? And then they send it in. <laughs> and that's kind of the way that works. But that's what it is. It ain't. It's not fake news. It's really the real USA Today preseason coaches poll Gator Nation that, yes, they do have Georgia ranked four, and they do have the Gators ranked eighth. I hate to break it to you, for whatever it's worth. Hi to Kevin on Facebook, and Jeff says, Hey, Matt, from Loosedale, Loosedale, Mississippi, like South Mississippi, close to, like you're on the way to Biloxi in that area. You're on the way to the coast, and you go through Loosedale. Or green parts of County. it. That's it. Green County. It's green, isn't it? It is. It's quite literally green down there. A lot of green. Kevin said a poll. We don't even have a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, <clears throat> that's about right. <clears throat> poll? Let's talk about a poll. JB, uh, how are you today on Thursday, sir? Man, better than I deserve. This is a unbelievably resplendent day outside here right, let me google central mississippi let me re, let me google resplendent here real quick <laughs> this means beautiful though right glorious resplendent attractive and impressive through being richly colorful or sumptuous <laughs> how about that hey but look how look this is the official like dictionary on google and listen to the sentence that it used that word in all right. She was resplendent in a sea green dress. Yeah. Uh, so it's about must, a woman. Must have been talking about my wife. Resplendent. Even though it's R-E instead of resplendent, it's resplendent. Okay. a boy, using these big words today? Tell you what. What is the temperature there? Let me tell you what it is here. Now, again, we're at noon in North Mississippi, and we've had cool weather. I say cool. We've had what feels like a false now, but look, it's noon in North Mississippi. And right now it's 83 degrees outside with the sun out. It's the same thing here in Ridgeland, Mississippi. I mean, we're like 20 degrees cooler than we expect to be. We ought this to be morning, out. When I walked outside, I was just amazed. It felt like an early spring day this morning. Yeah. Early. Well, it's like I was telling you, it's like every year here for the last four or five years, we've been getting a, a cool snap, a fall like crisp, clean air snap. In early August, and it gets us all, you know, longing for the fall and longing for football. You know what I watched this morning, JB, that had me longing for football? Talk to me. Well, there's a couple of things that were on, but one of them was the SEC storied about George Rogers, the Heisman winning running back from South Carolina. And, you know, he's in that era, in that time frame, You've got Herschel and Bo that everybody knows and that we are all aware of. And I honestly didn't become aware of George Rogers at South Carolina until later in life after South Carolina had joined the SEC. Because, you know, when he was playing at South Carolina and won the Heisman Trophy and what, what was it, 81 or 80, 
Something I want to like, say 81, 82, somewhere in there. Yeah. When he won it, they were not in the SEC. So Yeah, they were an independent. I were they? When he won it, yeah. Mm. Well, anyway, like, so what I do, usual morning routine, I get up 4, 4.30 every morning. Today, um, I, or I, I just slept a little later for whatever reason, so I didn't get up until about 6 o'clock. So everything was pushed back. Breakfast was pushed back. I do a lot of video editing early in the mornings and when I first get up as I drink coffee. So I'm working right out the shoot, you know. But then I always have a, a period of time where breakfast is kind of on the stove and cooking and I am simultaneously watching something on TV, doing push-ups and sit-ups and curls and stretching and leg stuff, you know, to start the day. Well, it's usually before the homecoming queen is awake. But today it wasn't. Since I was a little later, she was up. She was in there with me. And uh, we both really enjoyed it. The first thing we watched was this thing on YouTube that's a, that was about 45 minutes of kind of a homemade documentary about the Sandlot movie. Oh, nice. It, it was really interesting because he's, I say homemade, it was some people who did a really nice job shooting it with their own cameras and editing it. And they, they covered a reunion they were having out in Salt Lake City for most of the cast of the Sandlot. This would have been a couple of years ago, maybe, um, at the original site where most of that was filmed, where the original Sandlot was and all that kind of stuff. So more on that, we watched that. And then we flipped it over. We're seeing this SEC story, George Rogers, running back South Carolina. The name of it was King George or whatever. And it's one of these, I said 30 for 30, it's one of these SEC storied documentaries on the SEC network. And to me, it wasn't as, uh, I wasn't as aware of this one over the last couple of years as I was some of the others, you know, the, the thunder and lightning one and uh, the book of Manning and some of these others that SEC story did. So I really was kind of watching it for the first time this morning, Annabeth too. And we certainly enjoyed it. He has a neat story ups and downs in his life and in his career, but the kind of redemption here at this later stage. And they put a statue of him up outside the stadium. Anyway, you need to go watch it. But, I, what made me think to tell you that, JB, was there were several scenes towards the end of that documentary about him, you know, about this time in his life, like getting his life straight, he's clean and sober, and they've put up the statue, and it was so neat. He's he's going every South Carolina home game just about. He loads up his Heisman Trophy into a case, a padded case, takes it with him and he sets up somewhere on or you know around Williams Bryce Stadium and they have a booth and fans can just come right up there and take a picture with him and hold the Heisman trophy and pose with it and everything touch it you know uh, it's really a neat deal and he gets this big kick out of being around these people and one of his family members said you know it makes him happy to make other people happy and I'm watching it and it was filmed at a time, it had to have been late October, November, at some point in South Carolina, years past when they filmed this, because it was, you know, bright bluebird skies. Everybody had on long pants, long sleeves, and jackets. Few people had a scarf here and there. So it was a really cool time of the year. And every time they showed a wide shot of that particular day, of game day, you could see the trees with leaves that were either changing, changed, or have already fallen, you know? And I'm watching it on TV this morning, and it I could just feel it through the TV screen that late October Saturday where the sun's going down early, 
but in the middle of the day, there's not a cloud in the sky. The wind's blowing. We all need long sleeves and jackets on because it's, it's going to be a high of about, you know, 62. When the sun goes down, it's going to be really cool. But I can smell that smoke from the grills and people buzzing around, and I can hear the noise. And I can hear the crowd, you know, already in there doing a, a chant or two. It's just, oh, boy, just, I tell you, man, it really hit me right in the gut how hungry I am for that to return. And I know that I am not necessarily, I'm not the most positive person out there about the return of football Uh in its fullness, and we're not going to have full stadiums, and I don't think everybody will play every game on their schedule and all that kind of stuff. So people could call me a pessimist if they want to. But, buddy, just seeing that image, and oh, boy, it got me. It got me. I think about yeah. temps in the 60s, college football, you know, smoke rolling off the grill. Either nothing at the, like it. Nothing, nothing like, like it. it. And either seeing all that and smelling all that at the stadium or, or maybe even – taking it in on the radio as you sit in the woods and you're on a squirrel hunt, you know, like that's kind of how I consumed football as a kid growing up. We were either crappie fishing on Saturday or squirrel hunting late fall, early fall. We might be dove hunting, but uh, yeah, I look forward to that. George Rogers was the uh, first overall selection in the 1981 NFL draft by the new Orleans saints. Just a little tidbit of information there right there's um i tell you man there's a lot there i caught it we turned it on and we caught it in the middle of the documentary when they were covering kind of his final days as a new orleans saint before they traded him to yeah the redskins or the excuse me the football team from washington (laughs) yeah the washington football team well, then, historically, I mean, they were the Redskins then, period, you know. But anyway, I did find that part of it interesting, too. I didn't know about him. When the Saints, you know, they had drafted George Rogers number one. And then towards the end of his time there, which it wasn't, it was only a few years, you remember the reason they traded George Rogers is because they went out and signed Earl Campbell, the running back, and brought him in to New Orleans. And it was a funny quote in there from George Rogers in this documentary where he said, um, he said somebody's quote was, the football field's not too big for these both of these running backs to be here. And they cut to him and he said, the, fi- the field ain't too big for me and Earl Campbell. He said, well, this one ain't big enough. Y'all trade me. <laughs> And sure enough, so they traded him to Washington. He was really good in Washington early on. And then it led right up to the point where, you know, they beat, they just killed the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Doug Williams was the Redskins quarterback. Um, And you'll remember he had played all year. George Rogers had been Washington's running back all year. And then in the Super Bowl, they made the decision. Joe Gibbs, a coach of uh, of Washington, made the decision not to start George Rogers at running back in the Super Bowl. Instead, they were going to start Sammy Smith. And But they loved him, so they actually announced George Rogers as the starter. And even the TV crew, Al Michaels and them in the Super Bowl, were surprised when Rogers didn't run out there for the first play of the Super Bowl. It was Smith. And Joe Gibbs admitted, hey, I'll admit it's crazy how it happened because we're thinking, well, 
this younger guy, we're going to play him early, and if it doesn't go well, we're probably going to wind up pulling him out and putting Rodgers in. Well, Sammy Smith went on to have like the greatest Super Bowl our running backs ever had. <laughs> Set some kind of Super Bowl record. And they only put George Rodgers in the game right at the end of the ball game when the game really wasn't in question. But they all talked about the character of George Rodgers. Even though he was a guy who had drug problems or, you know, his career as a player, after his career, when after he'd gotten a job at South Carolina, more drug problems popped up at that time in his life. But he still was a guy of great character in terms of being a teammate. Let me turn this down. And what he said was, he said, I don't blame the Redskins. It's just a situation where at that particular time, this young guy was a better running back than I was. And they cut to Joe Gibbs. And Joe Gibbs said, now, nine out of ten guys in the NFL, 99 out of 100 guys in the NFL, what are they going to do in that situation if we tell him, you've played and started all year, but you're not starting in the Super Bowl? What are they going to do? They're going to go sit on the bench and cry. Mm-hmm. They're going to throw it. His words were, they're going to throw a fit. Yeah. He said, but George Rogers didn't do that. And then they cut to Rogers, who said, look, at that time, he was just, he was a younger guy. He was a better running back than me. And Sammy Smith was from Florida, wasn't he? Uh, I'd have to look it up. I don't remember. You know, I vaguely remember that Super Bowl because it seems like looking back on it, it was a big deal that Elway and the Broncos had gotten there. Right. But even a bigger deal with uh, with Doug Williams winning it. Oh, and and not just winning it, but just totally dominating the game from start to finish. Anyway, so I had that experience this morning. We watched that. Annabeth and I kind of took And when it was over, when they ended it, they did such a great job with those things, the SEC stored. And as soon as it was over, she looked at me and she goes, that was great. <laughs> And I thought, boy, you growing up in that era, era as a college football fan, early 80s, and you had just, you know, in a in a few states area, in a three-state area right there. In Alabama, you had Bo Jackson. In Georgia, you had Herschel Walker. And in South Carolina, you had George Rogers. Really incredible. And, yes, okay, the, the other thing, kind of the homemade on YouTube sandline. I say homemade. It gives it a ho- – it was really well done, but not something done by a big entity like ESPN or whatever, but it was a – you know, about an hour-long documentary, somebody covering this reunion for the movie The Sandlot. And guess what I learned, JB, about that movie? Tell me, because it's one of my favorites of all time. I'm going to send you the link for you to watch. This was neat. They they had a long, really good interview with the director. and the, Anyway, the whole thing was good. But the guy who played Benny the Jet, Benny Rodriguez, is like the only actor as a part of the kids group of Sandlot guys who doesn't really come back to all that stuff. And they don't make a big deal out of it. I couldn't find anything that really explains all of it, except I found one story that pointed out that he did a little more acting after the Sandlot. This is Benny the Jet, you know. He did a little more acting. His last name in real life is Vita, F-I, I'm sorry, V-I-T-A. He left Hollywood as a young guy. To pursue a career as a fireman, he wanted to be a fireman. And the guy became and is still to this day a fireman for the L.A. Fire Department. But in his young, in his early 20s, he and some other firemen got in trouble. They apprehended or tried to step in. They found some guy, some squirrely weird guy on the street that was giving out candy to kids or whatever at Halloween. Well, apparently they went too far. The guy um, got like knocked out or something. 
they got in big trouble for it. He's had to kind of move past that and live all that down. He's married, has three kids. It's, you know, his wife's all over social media. They seem really happy and all this. But Annabeth and I were speculating that maybe the reason this actor who played Benny the Jet on the Sandlot doesn't come back to all these big reunions, like when they go on the Today Show and all this other stuff, is he's probably thinking, you know, if I do that, somebody's going to bring up this past, this issue that I had or at some point. It's going to distract from the whole thing. So I'm just not going to go. Or at least that was one theory that we had. Um, but the, but the whole thing was really good, you know, and what was fascinating too that particular documentary, the director who they came up with the idea for the story, it's based on his childhood in a lot of ways, but he flipped the script. His childhood was filled with bullies. So when he wrote this story, he turned the bullies into heroes. I know it sounds weird. You just kind of got to look it up for yourself. If you're lots of people fan of the movie The Sandlot. We love it too. But you really ought to check it out. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> they interviewed all those guys who played the parts, and you can see what they look like now. And Anyway, it's really neat. We enjoyed that. All right. Did I say Sammy Smith? Yeah, we had a caller that said his name was Timmy. Timmy Smith. Smith. Okay, Smith. He played at Texas Tech. Okay, not Sammy Smith. Timmy Smith, 22 carries, 200 yards, two TDs in the Super Bowl. Stick around. Back on the show. Thanks for tuning in. However you're listening, watching, tuning in, thank you. It's always good to hear from you. Lots of folks on Facebook saying what's up today. Brian reminding us on Facebook that Loosedale is in George County, Greene County, just north of there. And that's a big high school rivalry game. Look, uh, you know how uh, Kornheiser and Wilbon, JB, when they're on ESPN doing their TV show, they have some guy who just fact checks them the whole show. The era segment, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, we didn't do too good in that first segment. <laughs> we didn't. It's Sorry not, about the Green County. It's not Sammy Smith who played running back for the Washington football team in the Super Bowl. It was Timmy Smith, 22 carries, 204 yards, two TDs in Super Bowl 22. How about that? It, uh, and also, it's not Loosedale, not in Green County. It's in George County. Thanks for the correction. Gator Nation. They have a great cattle sale barn there. Oh, where's that? In Loosedale? In Loosedale, yeah. I've been to a couple of sales down there when I was living in Centerville. I had a buddy who was a livestock mm-hmm. broker. And uh, those things are fun to go to if you've never been. Never been to one but of those. You don't always have the best smells, you know, sure. that are available at the cattle barn. But right. it's just, it's, 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 it's very culture, very cool. They also have in Loosedale, and I got to go see this in person working on a little video project. I guess a year or two ago, I can't remember exactly when it was, but Eubanks Produce, you know, a huge, huge farming operation there that they're shipping like watermelons and bell peppers and stuff all over the country. Like you can go to, you know, Boston, go in a grocery store and buy a watermelon from Eubanks Produce in Loosedale, Mississippi. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And really nice folks, too. It's a great place. What did I say earlier, though? The home of Eric Moles? That's what I remember. I think that's correct. Moles from Loosedale. I went to George County. All right. Um, 
Let me get a couple of texts in here for you on the country please and text line. It's eight five. I'm sorry, eight eight five, ESPN six zero one number eight eight five ESPN. What did Gator Nation follow up with? He said, "Life will be fair if we ever have a cold winter. You know, some daytime highs in the thirties. Eighty two in January is torture, and we get those. The seasons are a lot harder to pick out than they used to be. I promise you that much." Yeah, people don't wear sweaters in Mississippi because they need them. They wear them because they're fashionable. Right. That's right. What does it say? Oh, I was talking about the fall sights and sounds and just kind of the atmosphere, what it's like in a late October, November game, day game. Somebody texted in and said, I'm getting goosebumps with you talking about that. And I'm sure others are the same. We're all the same way. Um. Beer Slayer, thank you. Yep, Timmy Smith, we got the correct. Somebody called in and told us as well on the Divinity phone. And speaking of that, too, uh, sometimes people do call with information and don't want to get on the air, and that's okay, but we'd love to hear your voice. So uh, call me on the Divinity Equipment phone line. It is 601-995-1059, 601-995-1059. 601 White Denzel on the text line. I know you don't talk about Mississippi high school football a lot on your show, but what do you think of MRA playing Trinity Christian, Texas, and Shreveport this year? Deion Sanders' son is a quarterback. Deion, the OC, thoughts on the matchup. Yeah, Denzel, somebody sent that to us yesterday. I don't remember who it was. It might have been you. Somebody alerted us to that yesterday. I thought it was pretty cool to see that they're going to do it. What was it? What are we looking at? Is it the third? Are we? What was the date on that? August what? Or was it August twenty first? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and I did some research on that uh, after the show yesterday. Mm -hmm. Guess who the defensive coordinator for Texas uh, Trinity Christian is? I don't know. (laughs) The quarterback's dad, (laughs) Deion Sanders, is the defensive coordinator. Is he really? Yeah. Well, that is really cool. What an opportunity. You know, for folks at MRA. But you know what? Because of the whole generational thing, JB, I mean, the players will kind of know, but the real starstruckness of the moment is going to be for the coaching staff at MRA in regards to Dion. <laughs> okay? Because all those guys are old enough to remember Dion Sanders playing <laughs> and running a right. 4-2. The players are going to be like, eh, I've heard about him. You know, but it is neat. Okay, so August 21st, and it was Denzel who sent us that yesterday. I do think it's really cool. Um, they've won uh, They've won three straight state championships. And I said defensive coordinator. I meant to say offensive coordinator. Okay, so he's coaching offense. Well, he could have been D.C., though, because Dion, you know, played corner. You know, he could, he could coach either side of the ball. Old Dion, I didn't even know he was coaching a high school team. But I think it's neat. Really neat opportunity. MRA going to suit it up and play against them in Shreveport on the 21st. I would love to go see that. Now, didn't somebody also tell us it would be televised somewhere? We mentioned it yesterday. I think somebody sent me a note. Anyway, I'll get some info on that. If it's available, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to talk about it in the lead up to it. Jason in Flagstaff. Now, Flagstaff, Arizona gets really cold out there, okay? Jason said, LOL, who wants a cold winter in Mississippi? Yeah, you say that until you get one. 
And see, Jason is from North Mississippi, up in Tishmingo County, Iuka. I am living in Tupelo, and I'm telling you, we get some... Every now and then, it'll drop down there, and we'll get a day where the high is 14. Y'all know that every winter. We get some temps in the, like, single digits, just a day or two, and that's enough to convince me, nope, don't want it. And when it does snow here, the great thing about it, when it does snow here, it doesn't stay too long. We get to play, miss a day or two of school, and then it's gone. That's the way it is. Go to Michigan. Go to Michigan in January and tell me what they're doing. They got four months of walking through the same snow. Snow falls in December, and it doesn't go away till February. <laughs> Caller Andre, who's on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Andre in Jackson. Hey, Andre, what's up? What's going on, Matt? How you doing? I'm fine as far as I know. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing good. I got a good question for you. Let's hear it. With the state of, all right, with the state of this virus and stuff that's going on right now, how would you feel about Mississippi State and Ole Miss moving that game up to try to get it in? I would be okay with it, Andre. I've, I've, you know, I think it came up earlier this week, and I know this, that in reality, I know John Cohen did an interview on the Out of Bounds show with Bo Bounds this week, and he told Bo that it was false. Any rumors of that game moving that are they're false. Now, he didn't – some people said that he stuck a specific date to the game, and I don't know that he did that, but – but with that said, my opinion, Andre, is that I'd be okay with it. Move it up because yeah, if they do, it gives them a better chance to to play it. I'm afraid if you schedule that game at the last game of the year, I'm afraid there's a slim chance that you play that game. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I say the same thing. The only reason it came to my mind because I've seen where uh, Ohio State and Michigan is, is moving their game up. It won't be the last game this year. So I was thinking State might want to do the same thing. Yeah, I thought so too. And, you know, the other thing is uh, the Pac-12 is another example, Andre. They've got USC versus UCLA. They've got that rivalry game the first week scheduled. They scheduled Arizona-Arizona State for week one. They scheduled Washington versus Stanford for week one. Now there are some other big games, but – you know, those are some rivalry games, and two of those are in-state rivalry games that they moved up to the first week, and I'm sure that's their thinking also, is that even if okay, you well, even if you only get to play three or four games, that's one of the games you want to play, you know? Yeah, well, before I get off here, I want to say, are they going to still have the East-West? Are they going to have the divisions, or are they going to be like the ACC, just have the top two teams playing the championship game? I imagine we're still going to have divisions. They haven't put the schedule out. They're the last to do it. I mean, the SEC is the only one we're waiting on, which is kind of complete opposite of what normally happens. The SEC is always first to do stuff. but So we don't have it yet, but my I'll be very shocked if you still don't have divisions because it, from a planning standpoint, they are going to want to play that SEC championship game, so they're going to schedule a time for it, obviously. And the best way for them to do that is to stick with the division format. So they'll, I imagine, they will stick with the divisions. They'll just have, oh. uh, they'll just have a whole lot more conference games to factor in, if all the games were to be played, which probably ain't going to happen. So they may not have to worry about it. Okay. Well, before I get off here, I'm going to say this. I'm not buying Texas A&M. Uh, it's a whole bunch of hype around them. I'm 
I'm just not buying them. I think they way overrated. I, I just don't see them doing too much. I think it's going to be the same old Texas A&M. You know, by October the 1st, we probably won't be hearing too much from them. Or whatever it is, about the fourth game, we probably won't be hearing too much about Texas A&M. So well, I'm not buying them. You know what? And you're not the only one, Andre. Uh, in fact, my man over here, Dr. Brojo, he's right there with you. Uh, he's not buying Texas A&M stock either. But But – Y'all aren't alone. Y'all are in the majority. People want to. We've got to see Texas A&M do it before we believe they can. Hey, I appreciate the call, Andre. Call me anytime. The number one surprise team in the country, according to Phil Steele, the Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine, he predicts the number one surprise team in the country to be the Texas A&M Aggies. Look, put it this way, as much as they're paying Jimbo Fisher, they better surprise some folks because he's not new anymore. All right, schedules everywhere. Everybody's got one but the SEC. I'm going to talk about it next. Stick around. Show. All right, here we go. We got the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days coming up later in the show. That'll be team number 30 today. Today we are 30 days away from Saturday, September the 5th. And according to everything I read, no, it won't be the Big Ten, the Pac-12, or the SEC, or the Big 12. But unless something changes, we're going to have Southern Miss teeing it up against South Alabama on September the 5th and some other games as well. So... Get ready. Whoever's in charge of piping in that crowd noise, go ahead and practice. That gets me excited. I hope it happens. I hope it does. DB on the uh, Divinity, I'm sorry, on the Country Pleasing text line said, in regards to Texas A&M, uh, DB said, that's why Texas A&M is the surprise pick. You're not supposed to buy them because you don't see a surprise coming. <laughs> it's a good point. He's saying surprise team, so maybe he is saying that if A&M does shoot up the rankings this year and have a great year, that it would be a surprise because nobody expects that to happen. Yeah, people aren't buying in on them just now, but they're ranked on up there in this preseason poll that came out and so on and so forth. State plays them, Ole Miss plays them. Speaking of, Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. We got Rebel Red and Blue hanging on the phone line. What's up, Rebel? Hey, Matt. How you been? far as I know, I'm just right. That's good. Glad you're healthy. Um, a couple questions for you. Number one, do you think the Egg Bowl remains in Oxford this year? Uh, if it was to remain in Oxford this year, which is how it is on the schedule now, which I know that's subject to change, if you're an Ole Miss fan, would you rather that game be moved to Starkville with the hopes that you're back in the stands next year at home because you'll have limited seating hmm. or no seating at all. Yeah. Number two, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but I think I would like State No Miss the Egg Bowl to be played for the first game, and I'll tell you why. You're right. You have a lot better chance of getting the game in the earlier you play it. So, SEC may want to consider if they want to make a big splash right off the bat 
have rivalry Saturday, the very first Saturday. You could pit Ole Miss and State. You could pit Bama and Tennessee. You could pit uh, Auburn and Georgia, LSU and Florida, uh, A&M and Missouri. You could, you know, you you could work that Arkansas and South Carolina. You could work these games to where you have rivalry Saturday first. Right out of the gate. That way you, you kind of ensure that you're going to get the big games of the year played that we normally get in November. Listen, I don't disagree one bit. I, I mean, I just – I step back from it. You know, there's part of me that I am, you know, sentimentally nostalgic. I have that in me. If you listen to the show, you notice we go back and we do baseball highlights from the 80s and stuff. It's all fun to me. I and so there's a little bit of this hanging on to tradition stuff, uh, you know, wanting that game, that rivalry game to be the last one of the year, and it builds up to that. That's great. But I agree with you. You know, let me give you a, a, a for instance, a for example. One hypothetical scenario. What if the SEC played that first week and the last weekend in September out of the gates and all the games the next week have to be postponed. You know, could y'all see that happening? Could y'all see a scenario where that happens? Well, sure we could. Sure. Or half the games have to be postponed. So, you know, and by the time you play the opener of this SEC schedule in the last weekend in September, you're already going to have had other games played. We're already going to have watched some college football and talked about it and been excited about it before the SEC ever plays a game. So, do it. I think it's a great idea. Have a rivalry weekend the first weekend. Big deal. And, and okay, and as far as moving it, no, I think Ole Miss is just stuck. I think it's just luck of the draw. This is the year that, you know, the, the Mississippi State-Ole Miss game is supposed to happen in Oxford. They're not going to move it to somewhere else, you know, unless they have, have to. But it'll be there. And then next year when – Let's say everything's back to normal by next year. Hopefully, it'll be back in Starkville and um, with fans and all that kind of stuff. Just a luck of the draw type of thing. That's what I think. Hummus and Oil on YouTube watching the live stream says, I'm so excited about college football this year. Chris on Facebook said, Rivalry Saturday. Tennessee isn't Bama's rival. <laughs> it's right. It's the Iron Bowl. It's Auburn. But put them up early in the season. Make sure you get it played. Uh, Hummus also said Bama's going to play an amazing schedule. Georgia, LSU, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Auburn, and the Mississippi schools then add in Florida. Tremendous. Uh, it could be. I mean, it could be. And it's what, you know, Saban's been wanting. I do find it curious. Don't y'all, JB, don't you find it curious that we're sitting here and everybody else has released their schedule except the SEC as of today? Uh, absolutely. I've been scouring the Internet last few minutes just trying to find anything I can about a schedule. Crickets. Crickets, man. Nothing. Not a thing. I mean, it is as tight-lipped, and it has to be intentional. There is just simply no way that the SEC, with its leadership that normally is ahead of everybody else, is just, you know, out to lunch. You know, it's just... Something's up. Something's up. Because we were talking about it last week. I mean, it was a week ago today. You were saying the schedule should come out tomorrow, possibly no later than Monday. Right. And that's what we were hearing. Which made sense. Right. Which made plenty of sense. But I don't know. They they must be doing something because Mm. otherwise I think it would have been out. I agree. 
I totally agree with that. I, I am the delay and the fact that we're so late and after everyone else that the SEC still hasn't put it out. I can't help but let my mind wonder, okay, what are they up to? Even though we've been told that, you know, the Egg Bowl isn't moving. Well, are other things moving? <laughs> exactly. What are, they, what are they up to? I just can't help but wonder. So the ACC did schedule them all. They put dates and opponents. Uh, people are really interested in the fact that in the ACC schedule, Notre Dame has Duke in week one. Who is that week two opponent? Is that Pitt? Who is that? I don't even know who that is in week two for Notre Dame in their schedule. I don't recognize the logo. What the heck is that? It's not Pitt. They're playing somebody in week two, and I don't know who it is. And I'm looking straight on the ACC website. Anyway, y'all look it up. Could be a misprint. Wake Forest in week three. Open date, week four. Then Notre Dame has Florida State, Louisville, back-to-back, early October, late October. It's Pitt and Georgia Tech. Scheduled for November the 7th is Notre Dame-Clemson. And everybody in the ACC, by the way, has, you know, multiple open dates built into their schedule. Everybody in the ACC, they have two open dates built into their schedule because – uh, one, shortened schedule, but two, it gives them more flexibility for moving games around, finding places and, and times for them to play. Adam's telling me it's Western Michigan. So Notre Dame is going to get to keep Western Michigan on the schedule in week two because everybody gets to play one non-conference if they want to. Is that what we're looking at? Okay. Yeah, that's correct. Western Michigan. I, it was just so small on my screen, I couldn't see it. I just, I literally, I'm leaning in and I got my contacts in. Okay, so you got some non conferences built in there. Uh, for instance, Boston College, their, their week one, their opening game on September the 12th is Ohio, uh, the Bobcats of Ohio. Virginia plays Virginia mi- military week one. Uh, so you got a few things in there like that. Clemson, what does Clemson's schedule look like? Clemson is going to open, by the way, number one team in the poll. Clemson's going to open with Wake Forest. They're going to play a non-conference week, too. It just looks like they don't know who it is right now. So it's kind of a, I mean, they go Wake Forest out of the gate. Clemson does. They'll stick a non-conference in there week, two, figure out who it is later. Then have an open date. Then play Virginia the first weekend in October. I mean, listen to this, y'all. If you wanted to do a comparison, Hummus brought it up on the YouTube live stream. Look at Alabama. Who's Alabama going to play this year? Okay, so they're going to play everybody in the West like they normally do. Tennessee from the East, who's not in the top 25 poll, but got some votes and they're better. They're going to play Georgia, probably, likely. Probably going to play Florida, you think? (laughs) Think about Alabama's schedule now. Georgia, LSU, Tennessee, A&M, Auburn, State, Ole Miss, Florida. (laughs) And look at Clemson's schedule. Clemson, Wake Forest, Virginia, Miami, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Boston College, Notre Dame, Florida State, Pitt, and Virginia Tech. 
One of these things is not like the other boys and girls. You know, it took this to really give us a clear picture of the difference in the SEC versus the ACC. Now, that's not to say that Clemson couldn't beat Alabama, but it is to say there ain't no comparison the level of competition week in and week out that you have to face if you're Bama versus what you have to face during the regular season if you are Clemson. There is no comparison whatsoever. Y'all at me if you think I'm wrong. Okay, so hour two, be a lot of this stuff. You got the AAC. I'm going to talk about Southern Miss, some stuff you need to know. They started practice yesterday. More on the scheduling stuff and the countdown all coming up, so y'all stick around. Hour two of the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Stay with me.